um, it's a bird, actually, a Sankofa bird. So the bird itself is, um, its feet are facing forward, but its neck is turned and it's picking up the egg that it left behind. So it's like, loosely it translates to go back and get it. Welcome to episode eight of Find Your Light, the podcast that helps women plus in theater take center stage in lives we love. I am your host and rainy day journaler extraordinaire, Emily Stamets. Go back and get it. When is the last time that you went back? Generally, the people that I talk to and associate with are pretty good about giving back. We volunteer with our communities. We mentor young artists, stuff like that but it's always worth checking in, especially if you've been feeling blah, uninspired, or like the thing that used to be your passion is just a job job now. When that happens, take Autumn's advice. Go back and get what you left behind. Make a phone call to your local high school theater teacher. Send an email to that summer camp you went to. Find out how you can be of service. I would say that in the arts, our most valuable resources are time and experience. So think of ways that you can share those with the people who are behind you. Host a workshop on something that you absolutely love, or maybe something that you want to know more about. Offer to direct some short pieces at your local middle or high school. Show up during tech week with open hands and heart and your tool belt. Be available as a consultant in your area of expertise, whether it's performance, directing, design, or technical skills, or maybe you're a whiz at fundraising, organization, or graphic design. I volunteer at my state-level high school theater events with the Educational Theater Association, and I also adjudicate high school shows in my area, and I do my best to pour every ounce of love and experience that I have into my excruciatingly detailed written reviews for them so that they can learn from what I know. And every time I walk away from that weekend-long thespian festival or an evening in a cafetorium, I'm a little closer to remembering who I am and what I'm here for. So go back and get it. My guest today and the source of that beautiful nugget of wisdom is Autumn Jessica Mitchell. Autumn is a freelance stage manager and aspiring production manager hailing from the historic city of Savannah, Georgia. She's recently had stage management gigs at Lucky Plush Productions, Central City Opera, and the University of Illinois in Urbana-Champaign. Autumn holds a BA in theater arts with a concentration in stage management and technical theater from Alabama State University. And she's currently the assistant stage manager for Man of Destiny and Fences at the American Players in Spring Green, Wisconsin. All right, here we go. Thank you again for chatting with me. We're having a bit of, I'm having a bit of a kerfuffled start, just the coffee situation. It's all over my pants. I smell great. Uh, (laughs) Never a bad thing. Yeah. Luckily it's warm enough here that uh, it's okay to be a little moist. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So Autumn, you, you currently are stage managing. Yes, I am a production manager. Yes. Congratulations. That's so exciting. Thank you. Thank you. The most amazing thing. Um, But I want to talk first about how you started in theater. It sounds like you had a start with, um, like, with mostly with writing and some poetry and stuff. Yeah. So um, I started really, really young. I would say, like, elementary school. I've always been, like, a great reader. My mom has been a reader as long as I can remember. She could read, like, 
you know, thousand page novels in like a couple of days, which was always amazing to me. Um, but my dad was a poet. So I used to always sneak and read some of the love letters. He used to write my mom and Ooh, little comic books. Mom. Yeah, it was really great. He had very excellent handwriting, unlike me. But um, <laughs> it was always, I've always loved writing. So, and that was a way to connect with my mom um, to read. So I was always just reading, reading, tell her about what I read in elementary school. Um, so I would say like elementary school, like fourth grade, third grade, I started writing poetry, um, like love poems, never been in love before anything like that. Just kind of, you know, what I knew from like, you know, television or, you know, just reading what I've read. Um, and then from there, I think when I was, I think when I was in the fourth grade, I saw a production of Edgar Allan Poe's A Telltale Heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like a stage adaption version of it. And I just absolutely fell in love with it. Um, and that just kind of took my imagination from just poetry to like writing stories and so on and so forth. And that kind of grew into like playwriting. And, um, after that I went to a performing arts middle school and that was my first crack at, you know, actually performing. That's um, awesome. so, what an incredible opportunity to have too. Yeah. yeah, it was really great. And it was right around the corner from my mom's job. So I felt safe and you know because I'm I was a pretty sheltered child and theater really brought me out of my shell um uh uh, extremely it brought me out of my shell I used to be very shy very quiet um so I picked up on uh, Shakespeare in middle school my first play was uh, A Midsummer's Night Dream um I played uh Helena and it was fantastic so ever since then I've been in love with Shakespeare um, after that, we did Macbeth, and we did uh, like a ton Julius Caesar um, at Schumann Middle School in Savannah, Georgia. That's where I'm from. Mm-hmm. Um, so ever since then, I was just like, "Oh, give me more theater, give me more." Um, and then I'm still doing poetry, still doing spoken word. As, as much as I knew, I've never like gone to a spoken word performance. I'm mm-hmm. just going to theater at this point, um, and. Started off doing monologues, um, and that's when I started doing um, black monologues from black plays like Intozaki Shange's, um, For Color Girls, um, August Wilson, Fences, and, um, and, and so on and so forth. So I just start, really started at that point, um, poetry, and then I did theater. Sorry, it's really loud more. It's like on the street. Um, and then... I just kind of branched into like playwriting and still doing Shakespeare and just kind of, you know, taking writing styles from Shakespeare as much as I could and what I understood. But it was kind of like figuring out like how it ticked and uh, and his iambic pentameter, like what that was and like seeing how it varied from play to play to play and how it fit and how to decipher it for myself. So that's poetry within itself is, is Shakespeare, poetry and prose. And then I went from doing the plays to, you know, getting a whole book of sonnets and just like memorizing sonnets for fun just because it was beautiful. And then just kind of knowing the skeleton of a sonnet and how to actually pronounce all of the words and how to actually say the sonnet in its entirety. So, yeah. Awesome. I'm always, um, I think a lot about the power of words and how <clears throat> when we're really careful with our language, just like what we can create with a sentence or with like a a well-placed word. I remember I did um, a really cool uh, Shakespeare intensive for teachers 
in Massachusetts with the Shakespeare and Company. Um, and one of the things we did is we we were working on Julius Caesar, and we had they had several copies of the um, Oxford English Dictionary, just like these, you know, ginormous, and we had these magnifying glasses and these things weighed 50 pounds. Um, but we had to go through and we looked up the definition of every single word in our passages. Yeah. And it, like we picked one specific passage and we looked up every single word and it was like my eyes and my brain exploded just from what can happen when you look up the 38 different definitions of the word nice and then pick one, like which yeah. one's the, which one's the best one for this particular situation, uh, which fun fact, nice can actually mean the exact opposite. Like in, for Shakespeare, he was often using it to mean base or bad. So like, just, yeah. I was like, Oh, like I had no idea. And if I had not taken the time to like dive into that one word, mm-hmm. uh, I would never have figured that out. So right. Um, and you, ha- you mentioned, um, in the stuff that you've given me so far, just the, like the power of words and the way that it can empower us. Do you, I was just wondering if you have any thoughts on that or how has playing with language changed or helped you? Um, words are very therapeutic. Um, mm-hmm. just coming from, a po- like a, uh, a spoken word background and just being a writer. Um, they're therapeutic. I was uh, involved in a nonprofit organization for some time from since I was in 10th grade up until like uh, I was in college. I was a counselor. Um, it was called, it's called All Walks of Life and their mantra is uh, um, poetry, hip hop and life um, and how all of those things going from poetry, that written word and how it affects us like personally and then hip hop, putting a beat behind it, you know, having music and how it awakens your spirit and how it all connects to our life. Um, So I really got into theater and poetry that way and really expressing myself through words and how it can affect somebody else as well. So I think in that way, it's therapeutic for me and for other people because I can write a poem about, you know, love or I can write a poem about like, you know, the struggles I've had, you know, growing up, you know, being quiet, you know, being, you know, really shy. And I can perform the poem at an open mic night. Mm-hmm. And then after that, you know, a kid can come up to me and say, I had to deal with the same thing. I struggle with the same thing. So you can, you never know who you can reach and who you can connect to based off of your words. And it can just be, it doesn't even have to be, you know, fancy or, you know, <laughs> very eloquent. It can be the truth because it's real. And, you know, written words themselves like it's just you know black black ink on white paper you know but it takes the human voice to bring it alive most times Mm -hmm. and even before the voice you know it's our imagination that kind of gives life to the words and then you know in terms of theater it's like we see these artists like bring all of this to to into fruition it's like wow I never would have thought that this can turn into that or just like you said, nice, the word nice can mean plenty of other, other things, but in context, you know, or, you know, how you fluctuate the words and, you know, if it goes up or down, you know, I think that's the most beautiful thing about words is how the reader interprets it. And then also how the listener interprets it as well and how it connects to us personally, no matter what word it is. Cause one word can, can mean a thousand different things and it can resonate with us and we can carry it on and then pass it to other people too and teach other people like what we learned about 
a specific word, just like the word nice. I can take that and tell somebody else about it. And that's the great <laughs> thing about words because it's, it's so easy to pass it along. It's mm. so easy to pass it along. Oh, that is a, that's such a fantastic way to think about it. Cause that's like the point, right. Of language is to take what's in my brain and be able to send it and like give it to somebody else in a package that they can then make sense of and right. use and pass it along. Oh, amazing. Amazing. Okay. So now <laughs> you are mostly, you're spending most of your time stage managing. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. How is that going? Yeah. So I started stage managing in undergrad. My professor, um, we were working on the color purple. This is when I'm still a, uh, an actor, <laughs> what I like to call myself. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> when I was an actor and um, they had the production, the color purple, I cannot sing a lick. I cannot sing <laughs> at all, at least not well. Um, so I was like, you know, he said, do you want to be the stage manager for this? And I was like, Sure, I'm not going to audition for this anyway. So, you know, and then it was on and running from there. Like after that production, it was the one of the largest productions in our department. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went from there. And then right after that, I got an internship at Disney as an entertainment technician. Mm-hmm. And then after that, um, I was like, I want to be a stage manager. Like, this is what I want to do. Um, and, oh, sorry. Hello, thank you. Um, yeah, this is, I was like, this is what I want to do after... I worked at Disney, like the organization behind it, the magic behind it and the organizational structure behind it. And like, I don't know, it was it was so interesting because I was on the Festival of the Lion King at the time. And, you know, as a technician. um, Yes. In Florida, at Walt Disney World. Um, And like we have a a certain track, you know, that we have to do, you know assignments, pre-show things. And then actually during the show, we have, you know, oh, open the door at this time. Oh, and then page this curtain at this time. And you grab this from this person at this time. And then I was like, oh, okay. Reading it at first, I was like, oh, all right. And then like actually doing it and actually shadowing somebody, it's like, it's a puzzle piece. Like I'm opening the door for this performer to run through, or I'm opening the door for this wardrobe crew person to run through and give this costume to this person. And at that point, another technician is handing off. It was like, what? So how does like the, the, the logic behind that, like what organized brain came up with all of this inside of a production? And it's, it was like a weld oil machine, like clockwork. And I was fascinated. I was impressed. I was like, I have got to do this. So I went back to my undergrad I talked to um, uh, the chair of our department. I said, I want to switch my concentration from performance to technical. And it was on and running from there. Like I've been stage managing locally. And then I stage managed a little bit in Virginia. Um, and then I stage managed in Oregon. I was assistant stage manager at uh, the Oregon Shakespeare Festival mm-hmm. on The Wiz. And then after that, um, I did some graduate studies at the University of Illinois at, in Urbana-Champaign, stage managed a ton there and I got into opera. Um, I've already been a dance stage manager from my undergrad days. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was just opening up a whole new world to me, like opera, dance, regular theater I've done in my undergrad. But um, so yeah, that's where I've just kind of like picked up stage management from there. And then professionally, my next endeavor, I'll be assistant stage manager at the American Players Theater in Spring Green, Wisconsin. So awesome. So it's funny. It's always funny to me 
I hear this from stage managers more than anybody else, that it's always kind of accidental how you got into stage management. I know like three people who started stage managing professionally because they had an injury at one point and then they ended up, they were like, oh sure, I'll just stage manage. And then they're like, this is my life. Like they just fall in love with it. Uh, It's always, I don't know what it is about stage management. It's like no one sets out to like be a stage manager, but the right people always seem to find that position. Exactly. Yeah. I was just good at it. I like, I think that's why I just kept doing it because I was like, I think I'm pretty good at this. It's like my mom is, um, she's, she's, she works for the board of education and she's been office manager. She's been, you know, over records management. And so she's just an organized being like everything about my mother is organizational, everything. So, and then also my dad is, um, he, he's a jack of all trades. He's really a renaissance man, but he can fix anything. So I think I, think I just kind of have like the making, like my, my mom is this and my dad is this and put, me, put those both together. And it comes to me, it's like, I'm like, oh, okay. I'm kind of good at like using my hands for handy things. I'm good at, you know, you know, breaking things apart and putting things into ch- organizational charts for me to understand because like in the simplest way for me to understand, I can put it in the simplest terms for someone else to understand as well. So yes, it was very accidental, but I was like, I think I'm good at this. I think I'm going to keep, the perfect mix of things that people want to have on their production team. Yeah. I was like, I hopefully (laughs) I've been doing pretty good so far. So you are a queer black woman working in the, I believe, and I, I think it's objectively true, the most demanding leadership position in the theater. Yeah. Are you facing special challenges, greater challenges? Um, I face some challenges. Yes. Um, first with my age, um, I'm, I'm not young, young, but you know, starting off, I was, you know, pretty young, you know, wearing, you know, big pants, you know, having to fill big shoes. Mm -hmm. So that, um, was the first milestone I had to, to get over. Uh, and then also, I grew up in the rural South. So I grew up in Savannah and then I went to school in Montgomery, Alabama. So I didn't actually like come to terms, come to terms with my queerness until I went to grad school. Just because if I can be transparent, um, the space wasn't safe. I didn't feel as if it was safe for me to be completely who I was without it affecting my professional work. Mm-hmm. And that's just something I kept concealed for years. And I, I wish I had it. I wish I had it, but you know, life just takes a turn like that. And, you know, we keep some things concealed for personal reasons. It'll help us move forward mm-hmm. um, a lot better. But I, I found more value in living in my truth and seeing where that can take me. Um, being queer hasn't, it hasn't affected like my work at all. I, I haven't had any roadblocks being African-American, uh, black, it, it, yes, you know, I face a lot of challenges, you know, just, mm-hmm. just being personal, just being honest. And then also it's like, I want to be, what's the word I'm looking for? I, like, I want to be, uh, I don't want to be too like paranoid, you know, with, with how people talk to me and, you know, I don't want to take things to heart too seriously, but then on the other hand, I have to, 
you know, realize who I am, where I come from. I come from an urban background. So it's like certain, certain verbiage or certain words that people use to me. Just, I just prefer people not to use to me. For, for example, like a ghetto or ratchet, things like that, you know, are thrown around jokingly. But where I come from, you know, that's, that's not who I am. So I don't identify as such. And then to use it to describe someone like me or me, it's completely inaccurate and it's considered uh, derogatory. Mm-hmm. you know, in my eyes. So, you know, kind of like having to explain to people, you know, things like that, because most people don't know because they, they're not around, you know, from the culture that I'm from, you know, explaining that to people. And I think, again, being a, a Black woman, it's along those lines, having to explain a lot of other things that happen inside of my culture and a, explaining like why something is important to me Versus, you know, why some I prefer not to talk about some things. Mm-hmm. So, I, I think those are challenges I, I still honestly face to this day. And that I know that stepping in any space um, that is not uh, as diverse as I would like it to be, mm-hmm. you know, I just have to, you know, keep in mind that one, our industry is doing a pretty good job slowly but surely making all of the spaces that we're in diverse as they possibly can. So I have to understand, but then also in the same vein, I don't want to, you know, silence myself. I also have to, you know, politely educate or, you know, give people the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. And I want to recognize that, um, when you say like politely educate, like that, that is emotional labor that you're doing on behalf of other people. Um, so thank you for doing that. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I appreciate it. And it's, you know, it sucks real bad that, um, that you have to do that, that you have to shoulder the weight of that. Um, you know, <laughs> but, uh, but like you said, like slowly, but surely I think we're getting there. Um, a lot of the productions you've named that you've worked on have been our, you know, black productions, the Wiz, Color Purple. Um, and I know that, um, OSF, is phenomenal at casting diversely across races and across ability and disability and yes international like they're so phenomenal at that um have you worked in spaces that that were more like white spaces that felt like less yes um this past summer i was um an assistant stage management uh intern um and a production a production assistant at central city opera in central city colorado um it was probably about four black people in the town. <laughs> um, I didn't feel out of place. Like I, I, I didn't feel like the only black person. Okay. Like they were so welcoming. Um, so stepping into all white spaces or spaces that aren't, you know, um, that don't have like a significant amount of PLCs. Uh, I, it's not. I don't. I don't feel uncomfortable. You know. It's just something to take note of. And, you know, we, in, in our community, like we do this thing called code switching, you know, so it's kind of like we have to turn on our professional voice. And then, you know, most times we, you know, we could turn on our, you know, Hey, what's up, you know, type of thing. But it's kind of like, I can, you know, Hey, what's up to anybody, you know, if I feel it's safe. And then, you know, I straighten up and, you know, button up my top collar when I feel it's, it's as if when it's appropriate. So, um, yeah, I, I've been in plenty of uh, all white spaces. Uh, the the school I, I just um, was previously at, the University of Illinois, it was a 
you know, it was diverse, um, but there weren't uh, an extraordinarily um, large amount of African-Americans in in our department. And, you know, it it just was what it was. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I navigated through it as, as in the best way I could. Just like, you know, any, uh, in any other spaces I was in, I navigated. So I think that's what we just kind of have to do. Even as a stage manager, like we have to adapt and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, by any means necessary and however we can do that. And if it's comfortable for us to do so. So I just think that's adding another layer on top of, you know, me having to adapt to different situations. Absolutely. And I think like you said that being able to like live in your truth and speak your truth and be who you really are, um, like navigating that on top of the other now, like just like the regular like stage management, having like professional woman, like all of that navigation um, is really challenging, but it's also so vital because every time we do that, we are opening the doors for someone else to be able to live their truth a little bit more yes in a safer way definitely so yes oh yes awesome (sighs) (laughs) oh my gosh I love these conversations so much um (laughs) tell us about a a vivid memory that you have of the theater (sighs) I have so many (laughs) um the first one that like pops into your head the first one that like pops into my head was when I was in high school um and it was like the first professional production I've ever seen. It was of Macbeth. Um, uh, SCAD, the Savannah College of Art and Design, put it on. Um, and it was like a post-apocalyptic version of Macbeth. And it was, it was incredible. I walked into the theater and it was like this large gargoyle archangel, like in smack dab in the middle of the stage. And like the proscenium was... It, I don't know, it was texturized and it just like came out at least like five feet into like the audience. And then like, I'm like, oh yeah, this is going to be good. <laughs> and so I, um, I'm sitting there, like I'm in the balcony, um, center balcony, um, pretty far relatively, you know, show starts, you know, action, pow, 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 shing, 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 um, people fighting. <laughs> and I, And so like, they're starting to speak and I'm like, Yo, they're loud as crap. Like, like I can hear everything. I can understand everything. It's like this is incredible. They have to be professional actors. Hands down, it's over with. They have to be movie stars. This is this is incredible. And they're just like, oh no, I'm a freshman. Oh, I'm a sophomore. Like the talk back. I'm like, what? And, and ever since then, I've always wanted to work on Macbeth. Ever since then, I've never gotten a chance to yet. From from that point on, like as a stage manager. But I was like, the action in this is insane. The text is insane. The set, the designers, who are these people? Like, you know, I wish I had the program. I really did wish I had the program. But it was incredible. And ever since then, like, theater just took a new turn for me. I was like, I want to go to college to do this. Like, at that point, I was like, I want to go, like, do this. Like, seriously. Like, acting. This is why I want to be an actor. But I was like, the whole entire production of it was amazing. Like, that's the first memory I have of theater that pops into my head. It's like, it was just a sweet moment when I was a kid. Sweet. Yeah. 
that really is the the power and the value of getting ourselves out to see work, right? Because mm-hmm. we get to, um, especially for young people, like, oh my gosh, get your kids to anything, like to the theater, to to anything, because it lets it lets them see higher quality work. It lets us see um, what's possible. It lets us get even more excited about like Macbeth or, uh, you know, Midsummer or anything that's out there that you're seeing in a new and exciting way. Um, yeah. And I, and especially in high school, like I, I didn't see my first professional production until I think I was like a senior in high school when I saw wow. a professional production and I was like, and my high school did, we did eight shows a year. Like we were an incredibly, um, active program. I'm very fortunate that I had that. Um, but then going and seeing, I think I saw art with Alan Alda, which my, which was my very first professional production. Nice, I'm pretty nice. sure. And like, you know, mind blown, all of the things that it was like, this set was like forced perspective. I'm seeing this guy that I was like, wait, this is the mash guy. Like, you know, <laughs> and he's right here on stage in front of me. Um, and just like the subtlety and the beauty of it. I was like, like we weren't doing anything like that. We weren't doing any like three person shows at my high school. Yeah, you know? Right. So right. That was, and it just, like, same thing. I was like, yes, like I am on the right path. I'm doing the right thing. I want to continue studying this and exploring it and doing it in new and, you know, new ways that I've never been able to do in high school. Mm-hmm. So important. <laughs> ah, I love no, it. It is. It is. <laughs> like getting into like high school, middle school students, high school, like, in elementary school up having kids see theater is so important mm-hmm. it's so important no matter what you want to do it gets them from in front of the tv it gets them from their phones it gets them this to experience a different culture to see like how people dress when they go to the theater to see how like the etiquette when you are in the theater and after the show, the conversations people are having, like all of that is so important to just immerse, like have our community immersed in that is so important. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I know. I, I love it every time my husband and I have season tickets to the, I'm in San Diego. So we have season tickets to the old globe and we have some of yeah. our best conversations on our way home from shows yes. because we just opened up a new topic that we were like, Oh, we've never, talked about this before, or Mm -hmm. it's a new perspective on something that we haven't talked about. And we've been together for 13 years and theater is the thing that like opens up these new avenues for us. Mm -hmm. Keep seeing shows, you guys, (laughs) please. please. (laughs) And pay for it. Buy tickets. Yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) 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 That kind of, I I don't know. That's like a soapbox thing for me is people who are like, no one comes to see my shows or no one will pay me to do theater. But then they're like, I can't afford to see theater or like, I'm not willing to buy a ticket. Can anyone give me a free ticket to this thing? I'm like, no, (laughs) those two things go hand in hand. Like when you buy a ticket, you will get paid to do your work like that. We have to like build the strike anyway. Exactly. No, 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 no. I agree. I definitely agree. Everything can't be comp, you know, we got to, yeah, exactly. got to pay the bills somehow. Yes. So art is not free. It is not. Uh, <laughs> and nor should it, nor should it be, yeah. nor should any of us do it for free. Yeah. So we have to be willing to shell out in order to receive back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> what is, uh, what's the most important lesson that you've learned in the theater? Um, one of the most important lessons I have learned is to seek a life useful. Um, mm-hmm. I'm a part of a, a, a National Theater Honor Society, Alpha Psi Omega. Um, and 
I've learned a lot of fantastic, phenomenal life lessons from my process being inside of the organization. Um, so my philosophy on this whole theater thing, stage management, I've always want to be a, a tool. I want to help where I'm needed. Um, but more so, I want to be useful. Like, what do people need? What do people need from me? What can I do? How can I use my skills in order to pour back into what helped me right now to build me up into the person I am today. So always to seek a life useful. Always, always, always. That is beautiful. And what an incredibly poetic way to say it also. Like just like the phrasing of that made my heart stop for a second. <laughs> the gorgeous way to say it. Because I, I have a similar purpose of, um, but the way I say it is to be of service, which is just so mm. sort of like plebeian, like it's such a like bleh way to say it, but same meaning, but I like yours better. <laughs> like, <laughs> you're saying better. I'm intent. <laughs> I'll, can I steal it? Can I use oh, it? Oh, <laughs> of course. Do it. <laughs> That's so great. Okay, what are some skills or habits of mind that have been valuable to you as a, a theater person? So whether it's in your performance or your scene. Yeah. Um, I would want to say my curiosity. That was this one thing that always, uh, that's always like helped me go to like to the next level. Um, or also like intrigue, curiosity and intrigue. Like how do they do that? Or you know, always having a question, you know, behind something, not just be like, oh, okay, like, I'll let you handle it. Or I'm almost like, how did you do that? Or like, what made you come to this point? Like, how did you do it in terms of stage management or artistically? Like, what made you get to this point? What made you, what, brought, what avenue did you take in order for you to come to this conclusion of this line, of this scene? Um, also, being a handy person, I have to thank my dad and I have to thank my sister because I can almost fix anything. And it's really because of my curiosity. Like my dad, he always says, like, I learn how stuff works by taking it apart and putting it together again. And that's kind of how plays work as well. Like we read a script, you know, uh, we take apart all the pieces like, OK, what is the, the settings? What is the script suggest the setting is and what does the script suggest the props are? Like we have to really dissect something in order to put it together and make it whole, you know? Um, That's a phenomenal metaphor. I love that parallel. I have never thought about script analysis and production like that, but that's exactly what you're doing. Yeah. It's a, it's a puzzle and it's also like poetry. I've never, it's crazy because I never write my poems like in order. I write them like line by line and you know line here line here and it's like okay let me match this up oh let me add to it let me you know so I would say it's like a puzzle we all just got to put it together mm-hmm. so um and I would say also uh to be as organized as I possibly possibly can I think that skill that I am happy to say I would never master because I don't want to master it yet um you know I, I want to grow I want to go somewhere but I would say like my organizational skills have gotten me pretty far um, and that are pretty handy to me. Do you have tips on that? Because that's something that a lot of my life coaching clients struggle with. It's like, how did they stay organized? But like, what, what's like, just a couple things that you would say have worked really well for you. Visuals. I, I work very well with visuals. So I get like, um, 
I have like these giant sticky notes. I look, every stage manager I've ever known, and probably every theater person I've ever known, like stay like sticky notes. Stay with sticky notes. I have like a two pound box of sticky notes at my house. Me it's, too. It's, it's right there. All different sizes, notes. all different colors. Yes, yes. My partner asks, like, do you have a sticky note? It's like, do I? <laughs> <laughs> Which kind do you want? <laughs> like, right. It's like, do you want a tab size? Do you want like what do you um? But I have like visuals, so I have like a ton of sticky notes. And I also have like the gigantic sticky note pad that I like can stick anywhere in my house, in my room, in my office, you know. So before I even put anything to tech, like a uh, technology, before I like, you know, put something in my virtual calendar, I, I have to write it out. I have to physically see it and write it with my hands in order to make it make sense. Because textiles, you know, we have to you know, feel something, see something. So like, you know, I like paper. I like feeling my schedule. <laughs> 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 I would be like, okay, yes, 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 yes. This makes sense. Um, and also makes, make it make sense for you. I, I hate to say it like this, but I, I dumb things down a little bit for myself. So it's like, you know, uh, breathing room. Uh, so I dumb things down like, okay, let me make my schedule. I just can't like block it out like day by day by day. Let me do hour by hour, like, you know, 30 minute increments or hour increments, you know? And also you don't want to fill up your entire day. You know, if you, you know, go to your Google calendar, put in your Google calendar, you don't want to fill it up because there's no room to breathe. You know, just like if someone's looking at your resume or someone's, you know, reading you, you want a little bit of white space, you know? to yeah. kind of like relax your eyes a little bit, you know? So I would say statically to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you need I some white space. I was running a high school theater program for a long time. Uh, and, um, but I was also education director of a nonprofit. And I learned that this, the way that I had to remind myself and the phrase that I would use is just because I can do it, like just because I can get from school to that meeting, to the next thing, to that phone call, doesn't mean I should. Exactly. A lot of days that I'd be like, yes, I, I have the hours. Yes. These things I can, I can make it on time from one thing to the next thing I can do it all. And I would get to the end of that day and just be like, what happened and who am I and what day is it? And that's not a way. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's stressful. And then that, you know, takes a toll on you mentally, physically, you know, and then also within getting organized, you know, to coincide with what you, with what you said, it's okay to say no with a lot of things it's okay in my undergrad days all of us all of my my classmates we always wanted to do something inside the theater we always wanted to help we always wanted to do it but then if you do everything you get burnt out you know and what good are you to anybody to anyone yourself if you're burnt out you can't burn the candle at both ends I think that's a really important lesson one of my mentors taught me when I was in high school starting off all of this, she was like, do not, she sent me an email. Don't burn the candle at both ends. Like you're doing this, you're doing this, you're doing this. You need to take a breather. Mm-hmm. I didn't really listen <laughs> until like now, you know, taking, you know, time off, you know, from school, taking time off to really like shell into myself. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, you know, just taking time off from school to in- enjoy my life and to, you know, seek professional endeavors. But then also to give myself a mental break, you know, I, I'm no good to anybody if I can't, if I don't know who I am, if I can't control like these different variables of my life, like, yeah, some things are not controllable, 
but you can control some things and it really does start with your schedule. Like, you know, like how much, you know, you put in, you put into your schedule and also the intent, like, you know, are you really going to do it? If you put it on your calendar and like, be honest, you know, put yourself in a place to do what you said you're going to do. So it's like taking time out to breathe inside of this schedule. You know, when you're scheduling things in time management, I think that's, you know, that's the, one of the big things. So visuals and, you know, sticking to your plan and then also like, you know, affording yourself the time to do the things that, that are ahead of you for that day. And then preparation, of course, like the night before. If you know you, you know, you have a lot to do the next day, prep, you know, and you'll save yourself a world of trouble for the next day. Absolutely. Absolutely. I kind of, with scheduling, the parallel that came into my mind as you were speaking is um, it's just like when you're creating a show, like if you're devising a show, you have to know what to cut. You have to know what's actually important and what needs to stay here and what what can we get rid of in order to serve everything else. Mm -hmm. Same thing with scheduling, right? It's like, which things are the the actual non-negotiable, I have to do this, like this is the purpose, and which things are just like, Eh, right, I'm doing it because I feel like I should do it, you know. Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, and it's like prioritizing. I mean, that's a part of the prioritizing part. It's just like, do I need this? Do I need to go shopping? Maybe I do need to go shopping to take a mental <laughs> break. You know, yeah. that's that's my mental break. You know, <laughs> I do a lot of internet window shopping. I did especially when I was teaching. I'd be, I'd be like, I have eight minutes. I'm going to go on mod cloth and just like fill up my cart. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> it was like yes. Perfect mental break it was. Great. <laughs> Um, okay. Should theater be required life curriculum? Should every human in the universe have to like have some experience with theater? Yes. yes. Why? I say yes, because, um, and this is a story behind this, if you don't mind. Um, yeah, um, I grew up in a nonprofit, you know, Savannah, Georgia, uh, a wall nonprofit organization. Like I said before, um, it was founded by Tony Polo Jordan. Um, and he started off as a poet. He went to Savannah State University. He was a poet, you know, awesome poet. And he founded, you know, AWOL inside of this. Um, and then he stopped going to school at some point. Um, and then he became a social worker. Um, from that point on, you know, he worked with a lot of at-risk kids, you know, kids who didn't go to school, kids who were in the, the foster program, you know, all of these different things. And he was faced with... Uh, a lot of kids who just didn't want to go to school, you know, and a lot of kids who were on the way to the juvenile detention center. So, you know, he would give them an ultimatum sometimes. He said, you know, either you like cannot, you can, your life can't continue going down this path. So either you want to go to jail or do you want to join this program that we have? You can write, you can do poetry, you can build computers, you can edit, uh, photography, film and photography. You can be a photographer. You can be a videographer. You can be an editor. You can act. And then we also have a music program. So it's like, he said, you can either do that or you can do this. You know, which, which one do you want to do? And of course, a lot of kids chose AWOL, you know, and it's like... I know what my choice would be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he, like he didn't have the power to send them to, you know, but it's like, it's an ultimate to turn, turn your life around, you know, to do something better than what you're doing at this point in time. And so when they were put into the program a lot of lives were changed a lot of lives and it's like we lost a lot of kids you know gun violence gang violence a lot you know 
Um, but we, we helped a lot more. We helped a lot more. And it's because of that program. I know growing up, you know, I wasn't like a bad, bad kid, but I used to skip school. You know, I used to get in trouble with my parents a lot. I had to you know, talk back a lot, you know, and then that program really like saved me from like the path of destruction I was going into, you know, and it's like, and it was, there was a theater program inside of this program. So it's like, you know, in our, in, in our town, it's like they cut funding a lot for arts programs. So we didn't have like a really, really, really good theater program, like all these other places and states and schools had, or if I went to a private school, if I went to like, you know, school that you had to audition to get into. We didn't have all that, especially in our town. So it's like, that was a fantastic alternative. And it taught us a lot of life lessons. It taught us how to collaborate. It taught us how to create. It taught us how to see things from a different perspective. It taught us how to compete, you know, friendly competition. Nothing wrong with that. So I would say, yes, like all of that is important because it can, you can turn a kid's life around by having, you know, just by doing sonnets. I know it sounds crazy, you know, but breaking it down and just like we said before, like taking a script apart and like understanding each component, each part and what it means, that effort put behind that is it's a lot better than, you know, putting into like video games or like hanging out, you know, past nine, 10 o'clock in our town. So it really took us, you know, putting... You know, the program, it operated from the hours of five until nine. And those are, that's the point in time where it's like kids are the most susceptible to getting into trouble. So it's like they put us in this program, this after school program. And it's like, all of us were out of trouble. We were having fun. We were collaborating. And it's like, you know, a good majority of like the kids I was in the program with are doing phenomenal things like in theater and and whatever they're doing. Like they're doing a fantastic job at it. And I think you know, that program really was our saving grace because like we were involved in the community and people saw us, you know, and saw us what we were doing. Um, and it just kind of made our city better. They saw us doing it. And so it's like, you know, that visibility behind it, behind it all, seeing young black kids do Shakespeare. You know, <laughs> it's like, wow, you know, it's like, how can I get in on this? How can I do this? So it's like, I think it should be taught on all levels because we you know, the kids in the program range from like six until 18, mm-hmm. you know? So it taught us how to, you know, me, when I was growing up, how to like interact with these older kids, you know, who are like awesome. And then when I was older, it's like how I could communicate with all these younger kids, like, you know, and it all brought us together because of theater, like in words, words and, and the big, the basic foundation of all of that and art and creation and, you know, this life, you know, that's what right. the components of life are. Like, that's necessary for a kid to grow out of their shell. You know, notice something different about themselves that they normally wouldn't have, you know, realized, you know, sitting behind a desk in a classroom, like, you know, writing papers or essays. Not to say that stuff isn't good, but getting on your feet, you know, putting, bringing words to life. Like, you Absolutely. discover a lot within that. Yeah. You know what I hear a lot of teenagers say that I don't hear as many adults say for whatever reason. I don't know if we, it's because we forget it or because it's we get too much distance from it, but the teens that I work with often say that theater has saved their lives. Like that's language that they own and that they use. Um 
and I don't hear that as much from adults. Um, I don't know if it because you know when you're a teenager, you're like like everything is life or death. You know, yeah. <laughs> like, literally, if I don't get cast yeah. in the show, I'm going to die. Um, but I I think it really is true though that it if not like an actual life and death situation, I think for many of us, theater is where we find what our life is. Whether we go into professional theater or not, it's the place where we can explore and figure out who we are and what we want our lives to be, that you don't get the opportunity to do that or have those conversations in math class all the time. There are some phenomenal math teachers out there that are having those conversations. That's great. Yeah, um, yeah. You don't do that in math. You don't always do that in English. You don't always do that in science, you know? I would say, and the reason I think why you don't hear a lot of adults saying it, because it comes to a certain point where they just think it's, a, they, it's just a job. Hmm. It's just a job. Like theater is just a job. And I remember I, when I first heard that, um, I heard an adult, I went to, I went to New Jersey one time to shadow a Broadway stage manager. So like, I was like, oh my God, I was like, I was in, so I was in, I was in the undergrad. I don't know. I, I, I participated in uh, the Kennedy Center, KCACTF, the Kennedy Center American College Theater Festival. Mm-hmm. And I was um, the alternate for our region, region four. So I got to go to DC and all sorts of stuff. It was great, great opportunities. Um, but when I shadowed the stage manager, you know, I was asking him, I had a list of questions, my notepad. I was like, what was your favorite show to work on? And he was like, nah, I don't know. It's just a job now. Like, you know, you just do the work. And as much as I wanted to be discouraged, cause it, I mean, it is kind of discouraging. Like I came all this way out, you know, to, to see this and he did a fantastic job. You know, it comes to a point where we're just doing it for the work and we're not doing it because we love it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what most adults kind of, we get detached from. It's like making, and it's like, yeah, like, you know, that bread, you know, that you got to make the money that you have to make in order to survive. That's important. But we also have to realize, like, we have to seek a life useful. Like yeah. we have to, you know, is, is it useful to us? Like, is it useful to my, to, to my state of, of my mental health? Is it, you know, is, is it going to, you know, make me feel overjoyed after each performance? If, and honestly, if it doesn't, I don't want to do it. Like the, the show doesn't have to be super, super, super powerful, but the people I work with, you know, they make a difference. I learn something different from every show. But like, I think that's why kids are just like, also the, the dramatics behind it because, you know, teenagers are pretty, they're, they're all about the drama. But, you know, adults are just like, oh, the money, I just, you know, I'm not doing it unless the money's right. And of course you should be paid what you're worth. But I think a certain part of that, you have to realize the humanity behind it all is that you're a human and you want to be moved. You, all of us want to be inspired. So I think that's what we kind of like, most times, like we as adults kind of like fall in and out of it. Like, you know, does it inspire me? Does it move me? Mm-hmm. And, you know, performers get that a lot. You know, you have, a, you know, they have agents and then they audition for these roles and then it's like they put their all into it. They break it down and interpret it. But on production, on the production side of it, it's like, does it pay well? Does it, you know, do I have housing? Is it going to be good? Like, who am I working with? Is it going to take me to the next level? Am I going to be able to live in this cool place? Like, we, you know, all of those factors are, like, inside of it, but we kind of, like, miss the meaning. And it's, like, theater is always at the center of it. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, that's the reason, like, because we were a kid before. So we have to realize, like, go back to our roots, you know? Like, why do we start doing this? Because it inspired us. Because it moved yeah. us. Because it motivated us 
and we always wanted to find something different out, you know? So I think that's why we just kind of like lose sight of like, but theater has saved my life. It, it you know, 26 years old, I'm, I can still say like theater has saved my life because it put me on a, a pretty good path, you know, and still learning and still growing every day. But I meet amazing people. I get to tell the most amazing stories to people. And it's, I, like, I wouldn't trade it for anything else. I mean, I, I, you know, being a billionaire would be cool, but, you know. Like, <laughs> but, <laughs> but like, you know. You're a billionaire and you could never step inside a theater again. Right. I'd rather, I step, like, I'd rather do theater. Yeah, I'd rather me. do theater. Right. Well, I can be a billionaire <laughs> and still sneak inside the theater. Like, that would be cool, too. Billionaires <laughs> can do whatever they want to do. Let's be exactly. real. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's circle back to that question. Um, what was it? It was, oh, no. Let's do this one first. <clears throat> and you kind of already did it, but let's do it. Um, plant a seed in the hearts, minds, or spirits, or all three of the people who are listening. Okay. Um, Sankofa. Do you know what Sankofa means? No. Okay. Sankofa is um, a word in the tree language of in Ghana, and it means go back and get it. Always. And I have that tattooed on the back of my neck. Um, it's a bird, actually, a Sankofa bird. So the bird itself is, um, its feet are facing forward, but its neck is turned and it's picking up the egg that it left behind. So it's like, loosely it translates to go back and get it. But um, the proverb itself is, you know, it's never taboo to go, you know, it's always good to go forward and pursue your interests and dreams, but it's never taboo to go back and pick up what you left behind. Mm. So. I would say never forget where you come from. Never forget like where your, where your grass, where your roots were. So that's something I, all, I always have to remember. I have to be connected with my ancestors. I have to be connected to my city. I have to be connected to my parents, to this organization that I that came up in that made me, that molded me. You know, I, I, can ne- I, I can't forget it. It's my job. You know, it's my responsibility. I have an obligation as an artist as a human being and, you know, as autumn to pour back into like my community, you know, even if it's not in Savannah, like I always try to find like community centers, whatever city I go to, like where, where, where the kids at, you know, it's like, where are the kids? Cause I want to, I want to see what they're learning. I want to see like what they're doing, you know? And it's like, like, yeah, you know, regional theaters, I work, you know, work for different regional theaters and, nonprofits and so on, so on and so forth. But, you know, going back to like, you know, performance, performing arts centers and, you know, uh, drama classrooms or nonprofit organizations for at-risk youth to see like what they're doing. Like I want, I'm, I'm, I have to be connected. I have to be. So that's what I kind of want to pass along to everybody else is, you know, go back and get it and bring it with you because that's what somebody did to me for me. Like, because, you know, I had a lot of, you know, my mentors, they were fantastic actors, fantastic production managers, all fantastic everything. Um, but they always would shell back into us. Like I was a, uh, a, a scholarship student for Gateway for USITT, the United States Institute for Theater Technology, um, the Gateway program that kind of like set me off, you know, into stage management and professionally, like how to build my portfolio, how to build my, my resume, how to network properly and meeting all these different people. 
um, that was so important, you know, and they, they shell back into us all the time and they do it every year. And it's like, you know, the product, one of, um, David Stewart, um, he works at, he works at Disney now. He's a production manager at Disney. He still pours back into, you know, the gateway program and USITT, like, He's present. He's visible. Like he's doing things for us and for our community, along with plenty of other mentors I've met inside of the Gateway program, inside of USITT. Like they always just kind of like, like, hey, do you know this person? Here, let me contact you with this person. They're always connected. So I was think that's like one of the most important things that we have to do in theater is that we always have to be connected with the youth of you know the youth of the current generation, like. Because they have to make a way too, just like we had to make a way. And then somebody else kind of made a way for us too. So, yep, absolutely. Absolutely. <sighs> that was amazing. Um, okay. <laughs> so now let's circle back. What's okay. One thing that you do in your theatrical work that if we applied it to our lives, we would live a better life? Um, okay. I thought about it briefly. <laughs> while you were also having all of these other (laughs) wise like worldly beautiful thoughts (laughs) um something I do um and I kind of mentioned it before write it out like that's something I do like plan it's never too it's never too late too early to plan something like I you need a book like I always I have like thousands of notebooks right like I think that's what I do always it's kind of like Hmm, I wonder if I, you know, write these series of words, you know, does this make sense? Or, you know, or write my feelings. Do you have a journaling practice or do you keep a bullet journal or like what is, what form does your writing take? Well, I have four journals. I have um, (laughs) a writing journal where I write like. It's very organized of you. (laughs) I have um, like a a note journal kind of like where I write my notes for like class or you know, for shows or like if I'm having like a meeting, I have like a big striped journal, you know, notebook, if you will. And then um, I have another notebook where I write profound thoughts, you know, mm-hmm. I write just like this conversation we're having, you know, I, I brainstormed it, you know, prior to and I wrote it in my, you know, lovely, you know, Velvet Pisces book here. Um, and I did that. So I kind of keep them separate, you know, keep your thoughts separate, separated you know, so you can kind of like compartmentalize your life. So everything just doesn't get jumbled up. So that's something that everybody can do just to kind of like, so you can put on your different hats. Like this is my poetry hat that I'm put on. This is my poor hat. And this is my stage management hat I'm put on. Or this is my plan. This is my, you know, my scheduling hat and my journey in my, uh, in my calendar that I'm, uh, you know, put on. I think, so I think separating and compartmentalizing your writing and like your ideas, your plans, all of that is so important. And I still do that. And it's, we always do that in the theater and especially stage managers, like write out a plan. How is it going to work? You know, and are you able to articulate it back to people? So write out, journal, you know, your thoughts and, and so on and so forth. I like that. And that having the four different journals is very stage manager of you. <laughs> <laughs> My partner thinks it's outrageous. It's so, it's actually (laughs) such a good idea. And it's a thing that I wish I did. And there's like, I'll try everyone. So I'll be like, oh, this is where I put my notes for like trainings that I'm doing. And this is where I do my like morning journal. But they always end up being like 
mixed together and I never right. find anything in afterwards other than like, I think it was in a blue one. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so yeah. That's something I could definitely be better at. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, it can be like a little small, you know, something, so you're not too overwhelmed, like a little small journal or small notebook, you know, this is where I write, you know, it's easier just to keep everything separate, but yeah. together, organized as much it's as you also, possibly can. Um, there's, I really like, um, like rituals for people for where they're like, I'm having, I have trouble like sitting down to write every day, or I have trouble, um, you know, giving myself the space to create every day or whatever it is that they're trying to do. And I think having like your Pisces journal is gorgeous. And it has that, um, that textural, like the velvet on it. Um, Mm -hmm. and that in itself, just being like, right now is the time for the blue velvet journal. I'm going to pick it up and I can feel it. Like that's a ritual in itself that gets you into the right headspace for this is profound thoughts or this is just creative jumble or this is like organized scheduling. Um, So Mm -hmm. even just Mm -hmm. like having the separate binders or the separate folders or the separate notebooks or whatever it is, is in itself like a trigger for your brain of like, what mode am I popping in? Exactly. Exactly. I love it. I love it. It's all tied together. It's so good. It was <laughs> worth the wait. I hope the question was worth the wait. <laughs> absolutely. I'll, always. <laughs> okay. So Autumn, if people want to contact you, find out more, ask you more questions, hire you, connect with you, be friends with you, how can they find you? Um, Facebook. Um, I changed my name now. Autumn Jessica Mitchell. Um, that's my Facebook name. Or send me an email um, at autumnjm93 at gmail.com. Like the best way to get in contact with me. Perfect. Thank you so much for your time today. This was such yes. a fun conversation. I have like a page of notes that I'm ready to go back and dig into and do my own like journaling and writing and exploring. <laughs> so thank you so yes. much. No problem. Thank you so much. This was fun. That's all for today. If you want to chat about what you've heard, learn about upcoming episodes before they drop, or simply say hello, follow Find Your Light Podcast on Twitter and Instagram at FYL Podcast or on Facebook at Find Your Light Podcast. Take a second right now to hit that subscribe button and remember to tell your friends how awesome this podcast is so they can subscribe too. If you or someone you know would make a great guest, especially if they are a woman or non-binary person of color or a person with disabilities, email the Find Your Light team, which is currently comprised of me and my co-pilot, Subi the Engine Kitty. You can reach us both at podcast at emilystamets.com. Until next time, stand confidently center stage and enjoy your show.